the canvas is the art, but, but who's being placed on the canvas is ourselves. And I, I think we underestimate the power of how interesting we all are. If you're a person who's heard the word no from a boss, an ex, a team that cut you, a job market that didn't want you, an accident or diagnosis that left you debilitated and depressed, or felt paralyzed by any setback that you just weren't willing to accept, this is the show for you. Because it'll teach you what my dad always taught me, that failure is just opportunity in disguise. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. Welcome back to 10,000 Knows. We've got Anthony Mindel with us today, and the conversation goes deep. If you're an actor or entrepreneur, I think you'll really appreciate it. But really, anyone who is looking to embrace the chaos and uncertainty of these times we find ourselves in right now, Anthony is an acting teacher, but also a very successful entrepreneur because he's not just teaching a scene study class somewhere. He's got 10 studios in cities around the world, New York, LA, London, Sydney, Vancouver, not going to list them all, but you get the gist. He was an actor first. He's directed three films, including Where We Go From Here, which is available on Hulu. His fourth book, You Knew When You Were Two, is available at Amazon. It just came out, is in addition to his other books, including bestseller at Left Brain Turn Right and Book the Effing Job. Actors, come on, you got to get that one. He has taught stars like Shailene Woodley of Big Little Lies and The Descendants, Travante Rhodes of Moonlight and Bird Box, and pop star Camila Cabello. But what I love about our conversation is that we go deep into the humanity behind acting. His take on acting for me was refreshing and pragmatic and, most important for you, applicable no matter what you do for a living. I think you're going to learn something today, I hope. But first, I got to give a little shout out to our sponsors, Poopery. Uh, so psyched to be in business with them. Here's the deal. Okay. All of you, I know you come here, you, you know, we're, we're trying to work on ourselves, develop ourselves. We don't want to think about things like poop. Okay. But the truth is you got to think about it. You got to think about the stench that you leave behind. Now, there is a solution to the stench. I will tell you about it because I've used it. My wife and my kids are very happy about it. It's poopery. All you have to do. Okay. Now I forgot about this for a long time. I had these because I had interviewed their, their founder and CEO, Susie Batiste, who I really love. And, um, she sent me some poopery and it took me literally months to remember what I had to do, which was you got, you got to go. Sorry to say it. You got to go. You, all you do is you spray the bowl, you spray the water and it has these essential oils in it. They trap bathroom odors before they get out and make your family hate you. <laughs> that's that's basically what they do. They guarantee it, by the way. And I'm telling you, I guarantee it. It does work. It will it will help your relationship immensely. They've also got a hand sanitizer now. They got a bunch of stuff. All you got to do, go to poopery.com and because you're a 10,000 nose listener, if you order $25 or more from poopery.com, you get 15% off if you use the code Del Negro 15 at checkout. That's just Del Negro 15. It'll change your life. Honestly, you got to try it and you will be able to say, my poop doesn't stink. I mean, that's not a bad benefit. All right. If you dig 10,000 No's and you want to help us spread the word by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, we're not going to stop you. Your review could be the thing that helps some future potential listener who's grappling with something that we're covering on this show actually get one of these conversations into their hands right when they need to hear it. You know, I mean, think about how you choose podcasts. Now, I don't fully support myself reading reviews of my own show, but my producer is on me about this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to shout out a guy named Jim O'Callaghan. He left a recent review. Here's what it said. Just started listening to the podcast, began with the Adrian Haslett episode because I follow her on Instagram and she's amazing. Honestly, that's why I began listening, but then I listened to a second episode the following week 
take action now, course correct later. I was both laughing hysterically and getting fired up practically at the same time. I'm now hooked and will be binge listening over the next few weeks. Jim, thank you on so many levels. One, that helps others take a chance and listen when they're scrolling through and they realize that our content is indeed useful and entertaining. And two, it gives us a pump up. That Take Action Now episode was on our mini Monday solos and getting that kind of reaction encourages us. Same thing with all the great emails we get about the mailing list, which is a, a recent ad. And if, if you want to get the mailing list, as I said before, you just go to 10,000nos.com, scroll down, fill out the form, and you're in. But that's why I did it. Apologize. Not like I'm tooting my own horn. Just want to encourage other people to leave reviews because it actually does make a difference in terms of giving our show visibility and more people get to hear great guests like today, Anthony Mindel. And that is who I'm turning you over to now. Here he is. Well, so you said your your parents are are in the Midwest. Is that Did you grow up in the Midwest? I grew up in Indiana, a Hoosier. Really? <laughs> Don't hold it against me. Mike that... Pence, the great state of Mike Pence. Oh, God. Gay conversion therapy and all. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> how far Indiana has not come. Actually, the small town where my parents are, with the exception of, I think, um, South Bend, they were the only, and Gary, I think they were the only county that voted blue in the last election. So like, it's a complete red state. So how was that growing up, uh, you know, getting into the arts, I would imagine is, yeah, yeah, I mean, I would imagine that that's got to be a part of your, of your story. Um, You know, I, I, we're going to get into, you have a book coming out in May, you knew when you were two. I have a feeling I know what that title is referring to. Um, so we, you can get uh-huh. into whatever, you know, whatever you want to get into. But at, what was that like growing up? I mean, how did you find your way to now you have, is it nine schools in cities around the world? Ten schools, yeah. ten acting schools in cities around the world. I'm so impressed just looking at your your empire on Instagram, you know, kind of seeing all these schools as far as Sydney, Australia, Vancouver, LA, New York, London, it's, it's really impressive. So I'm kind of interested in how a kid from Indiana is how, what was the trajectory? Like how, how did it, did it, did you know you were going to act at such a young age? Did you, I mean, I, you know, it's interesting. I love that you, I never thought about, this is so weird, but of course at some level I must've thought about the book in the way that you just thought about it because you knew when you were two, considering I'm gay, like, like connecting to who I was as a gay person. I don't know if a a kid at two years old processes it at that level, but that's interesting that that's what you picked up on. Well, I wasn't, um, I wasn't sure. I was thinking acting, artist, gay. uh, I was just thinking just knowing your essence, whatever that may be, you know? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, that's really the big through line of the book. Like, obviously there's a big, um, we just got the like uh, the proof copy the other day, so I was super excited and going back, I was going back and reading it, and I kept telling my boyfriend, I was like, "This is a really good book," like you know what I mean? Because I was like, "Oh, these stories are so applicable, even though they're very specific to my." And this is like a memoir, right? But it's a creative memoir and how to be, you know, how to be our authentic selves, really. But I guess for me, the journey for me, and I like, hopefully, your listeners can relate and you can relate, is like I do feel like spiritually at some level. Oh, I'm getting like, I'm getting really, uh, full emotionally just thinking about it. Like that we, we know the answers to sort of our life's questions at a deep, deep calling and at a deep understanding. Um, and then I think the process of life kind of weans it out of us or beats it out of us or scares it out of us or punishes out of us. And that our real journey is sort of gathering together all of the stuff that we knew when we were two at some metaphysical level and trying to get back to that state. So that's kind of the overall theme of the book, right? And that just as a anecdotal aspect, like, so to me, there are little short stories and a lot of it growing up gay in the Midwest especially at a time where there were no gay role models or no heroes or like not even like actors that I could really relate to gay or straight. Like, right. I felt very much alone in my own artistic expression. Um, where was I going with this? But, uh, 
so I guess, oh, I had a thought about it, but I just went anyway. But, uh, oh, about how, like, to me, the events that occur in our lives, even though they're really painful and everybody uh, who's listening has been bullied in some way or, you know, sort of been told that you can't be who you are, that ultimately when you get to a place of uh, healing and transformation and resurrection from them, you see that, that those instances were really necessary as a part of your entire life's journey, you know? Yeah. So although I don't advocate bullying, obviously, or, you know, people having to, you know, heal through trauma to get to their own self-awareness at some deeper level, it's all been a part of the journey for me. I can only speak for myself, right? So yeah, that's what my life and my teaching and my acting in this book is about. Yeah, I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but the, the tagline on this this podcast is failure is opportunity, which is oh, the yeah. same concept of, you know, yeah, that's yeah. my belief too, is that, uh, you know, and if you look at it from an acting standpoint, it's that, you know, you need to have obstacles in the scene that you're getting through. If you're writing, you need to have obstacles in the scene so the scene can turn. If there's no challenge if there's no obstacle there's no drama so who cares so That's it's right. it kind yeah. of i think that comes from it being a truism of life and and even your the way you describe knowing this on a deep level and then going through all this work to come right back to it made me think of two things one was malcolm gladwell's blink i don't know if you know that book uh, yes of course i do and, but, and then the, yes. but the other is is just what how i always describe to to young actors what happens when you're doing a play? And I don't know if you have this experience as well. You do a table read and a table read could be amazing. You know, it, it can, it, you're like, oh, we just, we just captured some kind of lightning in a bottle. And then you go through the rehearsal process and it's like, yeah. you go through the forest and you just get lost in the woods and you, you get completely lost a lot of times. And then you hopefully come back around just on time to do previews and then strengthen it and then open the show. And that's kind of a necessary process. And it's a little bit of like what you just described just as humans, that we have this awareness on such a deep level, but then we, we almost talk ourselves out of it. And the journey Mm -hmm. is, can we get back to that essence and live it somehow? Well, I'm sure we're going to go off on many tangents because I, I already love the way you think, but like, I wanted to like, uh, address what you just said about like the journey of, of, of being in a play or, or anything, but let, let's say a play in the rehearsal process. Like I have this philosophy and this belief that when we have the first table read, the first rehearsal or your first audition, maybe even where, and you know, I grew up when I started professionally working in New York city and then really like my acting started to, I, I had a teacher who really taught me it's all you and it's all exercising yourself in these situations. Then my career really started to change. Like I really, I'm not saying I was like the Marlon Brando, but I, I, I really, I started to work and I was in some really amazing projects and, you know, I had a career, I was making a living. And what I discovered for me in, in the rehearsal process, plus trusting your own unfiltered, unedited, non-critical first attack of something, right? So like the, the, the freshness of the, of a cold, cold reader, the first read through is your instincts are flying because you have nothing else to grasp or really connect to except your own way. Then throughout the rehearsal process, you're listening to opinions and you're, and all this is necessary at some level, but then sometimes we take it to 2.0, right? The director, and this isn't working. And then it starts to trigger your old narratives about how you suck and you're talentless and you don't even know how to act and all that's necessary. But then I, for me, again, I have found and also working with actors that then by the time you round the curve to getting back to when you're about to present it or opening night or whatever, it basically has come back to, oh, gee, my instincts of how I wanted to do it is pretty much the it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Isn't it crazy? It's so yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's, and I saw so it's something. it's necessary, right? Yeah. yeah. But it's oh. also like, God. Go yeah. ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. It's it's a it's a part of it. I mean, I saw something uh, of you speaking to. Uh, I, I'm not sure what the forum was. It was some kind of a lecture hall or, or an acting class, and you were talking about something that I I really related to. Somebody asked a question about the character and you, and you said something to the effect of, you know, 
inherently a character is always filtered through your experiences, which I agree with. You can, you know, depending for me, depending on the role, um, some roles may be naturally closer to me than others. There may be more work required for me to bring on characteristics of a, of a particular character than another, which aligns with me more easily in some way. But yeah, you can't escape. It's being you. filtered through your instrument. Yeah. So you. when Matt Del Negro does a role, it's you. there's no way it's not filtered through my life experience, my brain, my way of seeing the world. And I think that's what you were saying and what I really... Uh, kind of admired in what you were saying to this young actor was that you, you, you know, the work a lot of the times is trying to figure out who you are and almost unraveling what your attachments are that, and then, and then figuring out where you align with the character and where you may have to pull out certain parts of yourself. Maybe That's you right. have to mute per certain parts of yourself, but it's, it's somehow, even if you use your imagination, it's your imagination. That's you right. know, it's not someone else's. Yeah, I think it's gotten cluttered, right? I think, well, I think actually acting is going through an amazing transformation of understanding it through this prism of how we're speaking. And, and I think it's always been this way. And like any, it's like anything, like things get overcomplicated or um, over cerebralized, but also if you think about, I just, I teach, like, I'm not a scientist. I love to think like, I'm like so brilliant, like a scientist, but like, I really, like, I love Malcolm Gladwell. I love like, um, social scientists and like Brene Brown and, um, Amy Cuddy. And then, and also like Einstein, like I love thinking about in terms of like the creative process is a science to a certain degree. And to me, the alchemy of it is each individual person is what kind of creates the, is who creates the art. But I think it's also a very difficult, um, like the physics of that, there's no way you're never not going to be you in everything you're ever experiencing on this planet. So that already begs the, it, it begs the question, well, then even if I'm playing a character, who's playing it? Right. That it can only be you. Who's saying the lines? Hamlet isn't saying the lines. You're saying the lines as Hamlet. So it, the audience has a subjective experience. If I'm watching you in a movie and I don't know you, or even if I did know you, I just saw a client in a big movie of mine on, on TV the other day. I'm, I know this person so well, but when I'm in the journey of watching this actor act, I'm going along with the story. So I'm imprinting on the story who I think the char character is, right? Told, so yeah. it's so much more subjective. But Matt, I think, you know, to me, the reason why the science of it is hard is because culturally we are taught you can't be who you are. And that is where the wiring gets so cross. It's like we live it's a, it's a pandemic of not being taught to be our authentic selves, not learning how to be a toxic, a toxic masculinity as opposed to an authentic male, let's say, as an example. It's learning about hiding who we are because if we really be who we are, you're going to get punished for it or rejected or abandoned or bullied. Or, so we have all these masks that we've been um, you know, engineered to put on to persevere. And at some level, we need them right, to survive. But I think it's systemic and it kind of sort of bleeds into our understanding of what acting isn't, but that comes from a, a societal disconnect, if you will. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, it does make yeah. sense. And like, oh, yeah. go on. No, I was just going to no, say, no, no, sorry. I, I, just, I was, I was yeah, going to say, no, if you're keep, if you have something, keep going, or I was going to, my no. mind was going to, how did, you know, being, being brought up in an area of the country that maybe wasn't, um, accepting, like you said, you didn't have any gay role models, even as actors, you didn't, you didn't feel that you, how I, I'm sure that you had to put, um, a lot of energy into hiding who you were, which mm. maybe made you a better actor because you were forced to act with high, high stakes to protect yourself in a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and which kind of plays into my premise of failure as opportunity. It's like, you know, that's tough as a kid to worry about that all the time. And yet that's probably the very, the very experience that you had that makes you so relatable as a teacher. I mean, it's, it's no coincidence that you're 
teaching people around the world, people obviously in different cultures relate to you. You have, mm-hmm. I saw it, you know, I haven't, I haven't ever been in a class of yours, but I, you know, saw, like I told you some clips and just seeing you speak, you go, okay, I, yeah, I get it. I get why this person has students that are coming to them. I mean, I just, it just, it makes sense. You're, you're approachable. You uh, are, are analytical and yet you're also, it feels like it comes from experience, not just as an actor, but probably as a human. We are supported by Poopery. If you got to go, but you don't want the whole house to know you just went, you know what I'm talking about. Come on, fess up. That's why we have Poopery. Simply spray the bowl before you go and a layer of essential oils traps bathroom odor before it begins. Sound crazy? Sure. But guess what? It works. In fact, they guarantee it. It's available in a variety of scents and sizes so that every bathroom is stocked. And now Poopery offers hand sanitizer too, a moisturizing blend of coconut and lavender that kills 99.9% of germs in 15 seconds. But it's not just about the bathroom odor. Here's why I love it and endorse it. Poopery liberates everyone from toxic thoughts and ingredients, not just the product, the company. That's their mantra. They do so much more for their community. 10% of profits are being donated to Texas charities and additional quantities are being donated to medical professionals in need. And now for 10,000 Nose listeners, you can use code DelNegro15 for 15% off your next order of $25 or more when you check out at poopery.com. Again, that code is DelNegro15. And now back to the show. When I was growing up and then even up until like I had a breakthrough in my late 20s in New York City. Um, But up until then, I think my acting, like you were talking about hiding oneself. And to me, I was overcompensating for my perceived gayness or how I thought people were going to perceive me. So yes, of course, I was hiding like the essential core part of me, but I, I, but what, and so what, how that ended up showing up in the work is like, I was so inauthentic. I would always be acting no matter how cerebral I understood objectives and through lines and motivations and intentions and all the book work that I had been thrown at me. So I think it's interesting that I have, I've, come through the other side and have discovered for myself personally and how we teach is that stuff. I'm not even convinced is playable anymore. The older I get, and we can talk about that. That's either already in the material. That's the writer's job. I'm a writer. The writer is either, either writing conflict is either writing obstacles is either writing through conflict to tell story or not. The actor can't play something that isn't there. It's already there. If you and I are in a scene and I just found out we're best friends and you were sleeping with my girlfriend, bam, I don't, I don't have to play something. It's already been spoken of now. I like in real life, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess my, my, I guess my thing is, is when I met this teacher who taught me like, where are you in the work? I realized like, Oh God, I can do everything like, perfectly textbook perfectly but it was sort of like commenting on acting as opposed to having an experience of me being in it and so i think the hiding part i think you know some to speak to also your 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 point about maybe some people can find their way in through hiding parts of themselves i would say yes at the short term but in the long term as they continue to unfold because we are never in the same phase or the same person as we migrate through life it must give way to something else and if it doesn't you're busted because then you're just relying on the same hidden part of you you know what i mean yeah so I think the beautiful thing is I think art is like always a reflection of the artist. Like if you look at painting or singing, I don't know if I'm answering your question. I'm just going off on a, I love it. I don't bigger <laughs> thought point. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just think like Picasso was painting. I mean, for fuck's sake. I mean, he had crazy ass relationships with women. Some people think it was really quite abusive, like, you know, to women. If you look at his artwork from that prism, you can see it. You know, Stravinsky was playing the stuff of himself through it. Marlon Brando was working his stuff through his work. It's always the canvas is the art, but, but who's being placed on the canvas is ourselves. And I, I think we underestimate the power of how interesting we all are, yeah. you know? Do you and know, that to me, yeah. Is oh, so, what's sorry. Do, yeah. I'm wondering if maybe this is the teacher you're talking about, but do you know Harold Guskin? 
I do know Harold Guskin, but it wasn't with Harold Guskin. But I mean, he says he teaches no acting, please. Right. Yeah. yeah. His thing is stop acting. And it's all about, you know, getting it off of the page and whatever is present for you right in that moment. That's what it is. And, you know, in his book, he he taught Christopher Reeves, he talks about and Christopher Reeves was kind of coming off. It just you're making me think of this because Christopher Reeves was was kind of he had done Superman. He became this star and he felt like he didn't really know how to work and he didn't trust himself. And Guskin broke him down and basically said, look, you're playing at an idea of something. What do you feel Uh if you are connected to whatever it is that's happening right now, it it literally doesn't have to even do anything, have to be anything with the script. If it's alive and then you say those words and you're alive, it will come out. It works. And and that's what I love. You said it today and I saw it in one of the clips where you were talking about the audience bringing, projecting their backstory onto- That's right. Onto a story- uh, and and also the the facts of the play or the facts of of the film or the TV show or whatever a gun in the scene whatever it might be does all of the heavy lifting and I I feel like a lot of times young actors feel they have to do everything. That's right. They have to and, effort. They yeah. yeah yeah. And you just right. go you just go no. Ju- it's like be present. Yeah, be present. A lot Which of the is work is being hard. done for you. Yeah, it is super hard. Yeah, that's right. It's super hard. Like I think people try to um, maybe uh, not trivialize is the right word. I can't find my own word, but like it is so hard to just listen and talk truthfully in the circumstances given to us. Like there's not a lot of more efforting you're going to have to do because as a well-written scene will take you to real, real emotional places, it gets harder and harder because each human being and each actor doesn't necessarily feel comfortable feeling certain feelings. You know what I mean? But I also, you know, I wanted to make a point about like, to me, I just try to follow, like, this is why Malcolm Gladwell has been a big influence on my work. Like I just try to follow the principles of life itself and apply them in an acting setting because acting, if you think about it, if, if the goal is to not to act and just be human beings being, I don't think it's acting isn't the art of doing it's the art of being. So see, I think that's also a false assumption to start with. We're not human doings. We're human beings, right. That are set into some circumstances in which we live through. But to me, it's just like life. When I, I was just at the FedEx and there was a woman not wearing a mask and I immediately had all these, I don't know her. I don't know anything about her. And immediately I was projecting onto her all these ideas of character. I thought she was, you know what I mean? Yeah. See, and that's just like life. Life is like acting. We're making judgments about people that we know and we don't know every single freaking moment. So I think it's about becoming more comfortable with ourselves and letting our freak flag fly, whatever that is. Yeah. You know? And that's 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 something important for actors to listen, if they're listening right now, to just imagine if you're playing that woman in the FedEx, right? You think, oh my God, this is my big scene. I got to do this and I have to be, and what's my backstory? And did I brush my teeth this morning? And really, and and you do need to be present and you do need to relax, but really she was just there and you did the work for her. You know, I mean, and and that's a little bit, you know, I, and we're getting kind of, we are geeking out on the acting. And I want to hear some of your story as well. But like, it just makes me think of um, uh, David Mamet, True or False, which was like a big, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. it was a big uproar in the acting community. People were mad that he said, you know, just show up and say your lines. And I was like, you know, I read that book and I thought, I think it's been taken out of, con- I, I understand as an actor, why you could be offended by what he was saying. But I think he was also trying to ruffle feathers. And I also think there was some truth in in exactly what you just said. He said the writer needs to do their job and the actor's job is to show up and fill those words and That's fill nice. those That's intentions. Great. So yeah. it, it's semantics. And, and you know, you kind of get – it's refreshing talking to you because, you, you know – my my thought, and I just said this to a young actor the other day, was, you know, acting class, in my opinion, the whole point is really just to get you back to being as great as you were as a kid at as acting. Kid. Just 
Can you make believe? And the, and the problem is we have all these things piled on top of us, as you're saying, from society and how we act and how we do it. And we're constricted and we're, you know, we're not, we're not loose. And we, and, and that's it. So sometimes acting classic, if I meet a younger actor and, and their parent says, oh, do you know an acting class? And if that kid is really great and they're like 12 or 13, I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> Keep that kid away from an acting teacher. They will, they will maybe ruin that kid unless it's the right teacher you know we share the same philosophy absolutely you know when i watch movies we i watch this uh, really amazing colombian movie that i think it won it won an award at can last year it's called monos and most of them were not actors and you see young people they were all teenagers and you see teenagers existing and expressing themselves as teenagers we already naturally know how to express and you know i think that's right like i think um a lot of bad teachers can make young people who already are just so full stop relying on themselves and start to act which is just like crazy to me leonardo dicaprio never took an acting class when he was younger he just existed jennifer lawrence never took an acting class you know what i mean yeah i can go on and on many many great actors you know i think we're scared that it would fuck up and i cost what was natural about them you know Well, you're, you're so, bringing you're bringing up a, a young star. This is actually a good segue because one of the things that that I found out about you is that you uh, taught Shailene Woodley, who's I think is uh, super talented. I don't know at what age that was, um, and I I almost hate to jump there because I kind of want to I kind of want to hear how you went from acting. And I and I I believe you still act, but but you really have this. That teaching is a huge part of your life. Directing is a huge part of your life. You also write. I'd love to hear what that came from. Did it come from just not feeling like you needed to scratch an itch? Did you feel like you had a? Uh, did you feel like you just had a propensity to teach? And then it led to Shailene and some other really successful actors uh, working with you. But but what was that segue? I mean, the short story is just, you know, I, I feel like everything that I'm doing is driven by uh, a socially conscious perspective. Like even when I teach, I don't feel like I'm teaching acting. I'm, even though I, I've built a business on teaching actors, I'm not even sure teaching acting can be taught, you know, like I think I can help people understand their emotional faculty and their own sort of the telling story through themselves and how to be more emotionally available and share, you know what I mean? But, um, so I don't, I don't know if as a discipline, it can be taught or one, one could argue the other thing is like anybody can learn how to say any, any of the lines correctly and memorize lines correctly. But what makes lines come alive is by the person meeting themselves in saying it. So again, it comes back to, you know, all my casting director friends are always like, we just want to see you. We want to see your way of doing it. Just do it your way. So I guess, you know, Matt, for me, a lot of it has to do with this book that's coming out. Like I'm looking back at my life and I'm like, oh, this is connected to that. And this is connected to this. And I just feel like a lot of my work has to do with awakening. And I don't mean that to sound like, oh, I'm like a Buddha because I'm failing all the time. (laughs) But there's definitely, I, I'm trying to use things as an awareness, an awareness uh, culture. And, you know, whether I'm talking about politics or uh, homelessness or climate change is a big thing that I've been talking about for a long time. Like, you know, or this pandemic is like, you know, to me, the scary thing is when I hear people like, let's get back to normal. That would be the biggest the biggest um, downfall, I think, for us as a society, if we feel like we're supposed to resume what it was before, then we've learned nothing. And all things are about, all things that happen to each of us are about our ascension, really. And so for me, I felt like in the acting training circle, I don't think people were really reinvestigating acting in a new way. Like, I mean, there have been outliers. Like, I love that you mentioned Harold, and I know he was really popular, but I think he was somebody who was going against the tide. There were people who were going against, like, things that were based in, um, you know, Hagen or Adler or Meisner or, you know, all the traditional stuff. And so I just felt like when I started, like, 25 years ago, 
I was really teaching from a spiritual perspective that my, my best friend at the time was like, everybody's going to think you're like Mooney Looney bird. Like, you know, I had come back from India and I was all like on a Ramadama ding dong. And, and yet I just, something was like, you have to stay on this course, even though I was so fringe. And now everybody talks about acting this way at some level. It's all spiritual. It's about the power of now. It's about the moment. It's about, look at Nike's ad as be yourself. Like it's all about the honoring of self, right? So I have just, I've learned to like embrace that. And then my writing came out, everything has come out of the school and trusting that. And can I just, a caveat to your listeners is like, because I'm sure there's many creatives on here, whether actors, writers, directors, producers, whatever, entrepreneurs. Like my thing too is about saying yes to what keeps presenting itself, not to like frame yourself only a certain way. Like you're a podcaster and you're an actor and I don't know, you're a husband probably, or maybe you're a dad. Yeah. Am I intuiting correctly? All all of those things. And also an author right now. Uh, (laughs) Yes. So it's like the problem is, is when we're 20, we're like, I'm just, we're not just anything. What are these fucking labels? Like, especially the pandemic is an amazing opportunity to awaken into this. None of it means anything. Our labels mean nothing. Our definitions mean nothing. The structured hierarchy of our systems are meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. How do we, you know, how do we find our own voice through something like this? I'm, I'm trying to assist people with, you know what I mean? We're on a similar, oh, 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 go on. Sorry. No, I just think that the systems were starting to break down before the pandemic. And I think this pandemic is shedding light upon, you know, William Goldman, William Goldman, I think, yeah, who wrote Princess Bride. Yeah. You know, he said, nobody knows anything. He yeah. was talking about Hollywood. Adventures in the screen trade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great book. But yeah. That, and that was in the sixties for hell. Yeah. Holy hell. Yeah. I mean, nobody knows anything in terms of anything. No, I mean, that. You no. Know, Except yeah, scientists, we have to like, I think we have to lean into science, you know what yeah, I mean? But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, but we're, we're on a similar path here, I think, because, you know, you're, I know you've already written, this is your fifth book coming out, right? So, fourth book. Oh, well, fourth, fifth, yeah, your, technically, I have a teen version of one, but yeah. Fifth. Oh, okay. Okay. So fourth, yeah. fifth, I'm, yeah. I'm in the process through the podcast, uh, got a book deal. So I've written it, but oh, it's awesome. not out till October, but the same thing as you, I, it's, it's kind of similar to the podcast in that it's in that it's um, eh, I wouldn't say self help, but self development. It's kind of you know a lot of the themes that we talk about here, but it's also stories. And and as you said, it's really a great great lesson I think for any young artist or really any person when you tell your story. All of a sudden, I looked back and I, I realized I was telling all these stories from sports and all these lessons learned, and then. I wrote this prior to the pandemic. Now Mm -hmm. I came back and I had to proofread it the last time I was able to see it before it's off, you know, totally in their hands. Um, And I, and so I read it, it was, you know, several month gap and I was thinking, Oh God, am I going to hate this? And I read it and I was, I realized, Oh, I, and it sounds like you did the same thing. I wrote a book about dealing with uncertainty because that's my life as an actor. I never know what's next. And all of a sudden the the pandemic hit and i'm getting asked to do these you know instagram lives which i had never done before and and speak on these panels because all of a sudden i've realized oh this is a subject matter that i've been forced to live which is i never i never know what's next i mean and sometimes that's exciting and a lot of times that's scary but it to your point before about nothing like nothing is guaranteed Nothing is guaranteed. And I do think there's something as it's, you know, it's really hard to say this because you're like two, you know, two actors sitting on a podcast talking about this while people are dying. It it could be taken out of context. It's, It's horrible what's happening. There is also another side of the story that that is people are really resetting in a way and I think reevaluating what they're running around for, what they're doing oh. it all for. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that, so when you say go back to normal, it's like, you know, do the lights go on and everybody goes, oh, oh yeah, let me go back to what I was doing before. I don't think that would be great either. You yeah. Know? I mean, I think you speak to some really great points. Like I think 
many people will want to do that because, you know, human beings uh, by nature, we are habituated to like what is known, you know, this is why I love talking to creatives or actors or yeah, the uncertainty principle is something that we're dwelling with all the time. And that's, that's been sort of the cornerstone of what I teach. Like we know our lines quote unquote, but you can't really, it's really the lines are subservient to the moment and the moment can give you a vast array of anything unpredicted, unplanned for unscripted that you have to respond to that creates the most exciting, spontaneous in the moment work. Right. So that to me is like, again, the principle of life itself. But I think especially in the West, we are so, and myself included, I'm not, I'm not saying I don't struggle with this stuff, but we are so accustomed to our things and our entitlements and our labels of, of how we identify ourselves that we've been become conditioned to, we've got this, <laughs> you know, whatever, like, like, I think it's also like reconciling that we're mortal beings and that things can end in a heartbeat. And it doesn't matter if you have a Rolls Royce or a SUV, like, sorry, it doesn't, it's not guaranteeing any kind of safety. And that's scary for people, Matt, I get it at the core level, but it can also be really, um, exhilarating in a way because you realize like, Oh my God, I'm not even awake to like being alive and how limited amount of time I might have, right. you know? So you stop sweating the small stuff. You start expressing your love for people and your appreciation. You stop getting stuck in the things that are really like a waste of our time and our energy. And I think, yes. Yeah, so I'm hoping it can be a, a radical shift. I, I, I get concerned about, um, you know, I think the, I think the, I think it's like, I think we're driven by sheep people mentality, you know? And like, of course your listeners and you, like we're all kind of outliers because we're all gravitated toward new ways of thinking and being. And I do think that there's a lot of us and that eventually the tide is turning, but I think we can't take our foot off that pedal because, I think it's kind of also showing us this pandemic is how broken our systems are here. Yeah. And that is like really heartbreaking. Like it's really, really upsetting to me. Like things that America like shoves under the carpet, you know, yeah. because if people are doing really well and we're really wealthy and we're so cool, we don't have to look at homelessness and mental illness. We don't have to look at climate change. We don't have to look at immigration. We just don't have to look at inherent racism or black lives matter. It's really, I think it's a reckoning, you know? Mm. Yeah. So I really, I have hope that this is, I know that in two years from now, of course, like what you're saying, it doesn't in any way take, uh, mitigate the suffering and lives lost. And I'm worried about my parents and the economic toll and people are really suffering. Like, absolutely. It's a, a horrible lesson to learn, but I know that we'll come out of the other side. I really believe at like a different level of awareness, you know? Yeah. yeah. One has to endure with that faith. I think Matt, or it's all for loss. You know what I mean? Agreed. And I hate, I feel like we, we got to a very, um, we went deep. <laughs> well, no, we went deep, which I love. And I, and I, I feel bad, like I'm going to pull us out of it because I want to, uh, before, <laughs> no, you know, I, okay. I don't want to let you go without asking some logistics, just because I, I think of all, all of my listeners that are always wondering how do they, and I don't believe there's a, a how to, but how does one go or how did you go from, you know, not only did you, you know, plenty of people start an acting class. And usually they fail. <laughs> you started one and you've got a school in 10 cities. Um, plenty of people self-publish a book or whatever. You're now coming out with your fourth slash fifth book. Um, plenty of people try to make a movie. You've written and directed how many films? And they've won awards and gone to festivals. How many? I don't even know how many it is. So. Uh, this, this one that's on Hulu right now is my third feature. Third feature. So yeah. what what do you, you know, because I don't know that we'll, we can get into all of how it went and, and also the fact that you have taught some really, you know, people with some powerhouse careers. How, how do you view starting something new, breaking out of your comfort zone and approaching a new unknown career related, but unknown 
and then gradually find your your way, you know, to the top of, of that ladder? How have you done it? Like, what's your mindset on that? Well, I think, you know, what, what your podcast is all about is always reminding people that rejections are a part of it, right? And I think we, we stop at our first no. And it's literally like you, it's 10,000 no's, you know what I mean? And, and the no's will, can, I think also, so that's the first thing is you just, you can't stop. You have to keep going. And, and it sounds so simple, but these things are really simple. Right. And, and also to me, what's, I think really helpful for your listeners. And you probably know this as well is I think we have this really weird picture that's been, again, culturally taught to us. The media, I think, perpetuates this mythology that when you see somebody really famous, and yes, okay, there's maybe the one per century. So, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio can probably get anything made. Although, I don't know, Martin Scorsese, it took him how, 30 years to get... Um, the Irishman. Yeah, the Irishman the made. Irishman, 30, yeah. This is Martin Scorsese. My I know. God. I know. But, so sometimes we look at famous people and we're like, oh my God, they get everything handed to them. But the truth is... If you were spending a day in the life of that person, they may be at a different level than a listener is. Like some one of your listeners might be starting out in their career. Somebody else may be mid-career. Somebody else may be at the top of their game. But it's all relative. They still are taking meetings, and then they're being denied by an investor or a financier, or they're not getting uh, the return on the thing. It's it's still it's it doesn't ever end. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think we believe that once again, I think this is such an unhealthy myth because I've seen a lot of unhappy actors I've taught who get to the finish line, which is they're the lead on their own TV series. And then two years later, they call me and they're like, oh, whoa, this is not what I thought it would be. And meaning it didn't solve their problems. Like they may be able to get a house and pay their mortgage and they get out of debt. But then like once the baseline stuff has been overcome, their happiness set point is kind of back to where they began, which is our society teaches us it's the accumulation of things that makes us happy. And I actually think that's what's created the complete system breakdown of our, our planet is the constant consumption of consumption of capitalism is what is destroying our planet at some level, because we're not taught that the real joy is in self-expression. The real joy is in sharing. The real joy is in connection. And it's not about, Oh, I have to get that thing. And then my life is going to be complete because then you get it. And then you're like, okay, on to the next. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, yeah, I think it's, and I'm not saying I don't want people to have nice things. It's not what I'm saying, but I think it becomes a really weird feedback loop that we get stuck on the hamster wheel. If we don't, you know, it becomes quite toxic. If we don't break out of that, that thing isn't my happiness. My happiness is inside. Yeah. I, you know? I just heard, I just heard, you know, Oprah was, uh, something I was listening to the other day and she was saying, you know, I happened to make a lot of money and get famous, but that's not what the goal, the goal, it the was goal. more about her purpose yeah. to help people. And that was the byproduct. And I agree with that. And I also would add to what you said about, you know, connection and everything else is that progress. I think progress is something that we're always seeking out growth, progress, growth, you know, and, and yeah, you don't just, you don't just get there and it's all solved. No, that's, I'd be interested to hear, you know, with some of those, because you, you've taught so many people for so long. Do you have any views on what made one person pop to an incredible, yeah. uh, you know, uh, an incredible level and another person flame out. Do you have any theories on that? Do you think it's total mm. luck? Do you think it's a combo of luck? Do you think it's mindset? What do you think? I mean, all those things, right? Like, as you know, you're working, you may be the best actor in the room and you don't get it because you remind somebody of their ex-husband by, you know what I mean? And you don't <laughs> give up. You keep you know, I think that's, that's it. Like in one of my books, I talk about people's careers are created in Hollywood by the person who stays standing in the room the longest. I think this pandemic is going to like, I think a lot of people are moving home, are going to get out of the business. I know somebody who used to be an actor who is with me is now going to nursing school. Like I get it. Like, you know, I think, I think like anything you just, if it's in your, sometimes I think also Matt, like we choose 
we feel like we're doing, we want to be an actor, let's say, for the wrong reasons. Because again, we're working through our, um, like our karma or our, our trauma or our whatever we want to call it. But it's not necessarily maybe our soul calling. Maybe it's not an expression of who we really are. Acting is an amazing vehicle. I think, I think I am always joking that I should go to Congress and make everybody in Congress take a fucking acting class because they learn how to really be real human beings. So I think everybody should take an acting class, but that doesn't mean you have to have a career as an actor. A lot of times I talk to actors who are like, yeah, I can't, can't wait to make it because I can take care of my family. And I'm like, oh, wow. I mean, that's an amazing thing to want to buy your mom and dad a house. But that's not, I think you have to, it's got to be, the artistic soul has got to be, it's already got to be alive in you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not articulating myself as clearly right now, but you get what I'm saying. I I, I completely agree with you. I mean, there are so many other things you could do. Anyway, if that was your goal, there's so many easier ways to reach that financial goal to something. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the thing that is amazing about artistic expression and acting in particular is it does, you know, sort of drop us into the core of what it really does mean to be an empathetic, compassionate, loving human being. That to me is why people need to learn the skills of what acting is teaching us are lifelong skills. Then you can take it into entrepreneurship. Can you imagine what our world would be like if we took the basic principles of what real acting is and go into a a fucking CEO corporation and like taught people how to be? Can I tell you one really? I know you're probably like, you can edit me out. I just want to tell you this story because I would talk to you all day. I'm not at all. No, this is great. This is an example. The other day, I, I, I gave this in a Zoom class the other day because I found it so maddening in a way. So my, I had to like redo my insurance because it had expired. And I was like, oh my God, I have to have insurance for a pandemic, which by the way, insurance companies are not insuring anybody. For. There's that, that little minor note clause that nobody read that in the fine print will not be covered for pandemics, virus, bacteria, or any other kind of contagion. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. It's like those crazy pharmaceutical commercials that, by the way, it might kill you. But anyway, yeah. so... I wrote to my, my insurance company and I, mind you, I've been working with this guy for, I don't know, over 10 years. And I was just like, I I told him I needed to get the insurance for, for this. And, and he, uh, you know, I was really nice. I was, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. My God. And then, so he sent me a quote and I was like, his name is Matt. And I was like, Matt, I was like, you know, considering these times and what's happening in the world and everybody's kind of upset with insurance agents. And, and I was like, I know you're doing the best you can. Cause he's just the adjuster. I get it. Yeah. Like he has somebody to answer to. I was like, can you do a little bit better? Can you get me a better quote? You know, I was very human about it and joking, but also like whatever. So he sent me an email back, Matthew saying, dear Tony, I understand your frustration in this current economic market. The insurance adjusters are all... So he basically was speaking insurance bullshit corporate speak. And immediately, I just thought this right here is what is wrong with... I'm sorry, America. What is wrong with this corporate mentality bullshit? He could... He, I, it's okay that he gave me whatever quote. I have no issue with business. But he could have been a human being crossing the human being barrier of being like, God, Tony, you know what? Yeah, it sucks. It's hard. It's really a challenging time. Like, And this is what we're having to deal with. But they can't do it. They cannot speak beyond their corporate speak. Yeah, That means nothing to me. It doesn't mean anything to me of over 10 years of doing business friendship. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think this is, again, the structural cancer that is a part of corporate CEO speak that is our, our, to our doom and peril. Because as soon as you don't see somebody on the other end as a human being, it's just about the bottom line. Yeah. And I thought, Matt, that this is, this is the problem, is that people are not taught how to be human beings first. We've lost our way. We've lost our way. Yeah. I think that's why I've gravitated towards so many... I actually have become really through this podcast friends with so many entrepreneurs, but they're 
their, their businesses are very, right? their businesses are, are very successful, but they're, they're still in the grand scheme of things, small businesses. So they feel mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the the way, the way you are, you're an entrepreneur. Um, but it's a, there's a very human quality to it. And, and it's, you know, this is kind of a tangent, but something that we're developing with my content. We're kind of with this pause, thinking of different things that we can offer. And one of the things that I want to do is, is create this, this place for young artists and young entrepreneurs, because I feel as an actor, I've always said, what I do is I have to be two people in one. I'm an actor and Mm -hmm. I'm an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And I feel like my, my actor friends and my entrepreneur friends could learn so much from each other and they, and they cross over so much more. I mean, there is a lot of art in business, particularly when you're a small business. And there is a lot of business if you're an actor, for example, right. or you're an artist. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to make a living doing it, there there has to be some kind of business sense. So I I, I see eye to eye with you uh, on that. I, I want to ask you uh, just three questions before I let you go. Okay, yes. okay, but yes. I also, but I also want to give you, before we even get there, I just want to give you an opportunity because I want I love what you're, everything you're saying. And so I want people to be able to, to go experience what you've done and we'll put links in the show notes, but, uh, your recent film, just give us the name, give us like kind of the gist of it. So people, if they like you, they could go check it out. You know, I think it just came out right on. Yeah, it's on Hulu. It came out um, in February, but they're still promoting it a lot under new, new features. So that's exciting. I think it's doing really well. Um, it's called where we go from here. And, um, it, deals with a lot of these things we're talking about, like this social sort of um, our fabric tearing of our society deals with gun violence. And, but it's, but, but it's not a downer. Like it's actually quite funny. It's just real, like they're actually love stories that culminate in sort of um, a commentary on where we are now in society. And um, so, yeah, they can, it's on Hulu and iTunes and Amazon and all the other places, but also on Hulu. So yeah, we'll put it in the, in the show notes so that people can get to it. And then also the, the new book, I'm not sure when we're going to release this episode. Uh, it's going to be somewhere around the publication of your book, but uh, it's called uh, You Knew When You Were Two, and that's going to be available everywhere. Well, yeah, I think they we they just sent me the proof, and it was the wrong sizing, so we have to go back and make sure it's. But it's been a, it's a, been a great opportunity because we're kind of redoing some stuff. But uh, it, it's going to be yes, I mean at least on Amazon to start. Yeah, right. Okay. So um, you know, okay. this is a great anecdotal story too. Like my books have been really doing so well. I have to self publish. And now I don't, I mean, this is, again, is a great reminder for your, uh, listeners. Like by my third book, I finally had some traditional publishers approach me, but, but my first book, I was turned down by like 20 major publishers, including some big acting publishers at that time. And so I was like, okay, well, I believe in what I'm doing and I did it. And it's become a bestseller in, in, in that category. Right. So it just goes to show you if you, if you, you know, so there's just a way. So I always want to encourage people don't give up. You just, you know, so. And that's that one. That's the best. That was at left brain turn, right? Yes. Okay. And Um, the fucking job is doing really well as well. I have to say it's been, it's been pretty awesome. Good, man. And and, yeah. and in terms of, and we'll put uh, another link in there for your acting schools because I want people to be able to, to get there. Is it just the Anthony Mandel? What's the, the actual name of the studio? Is it just Yeah, just, uh, it's like, uh, well, online, www.anthonymindel.com. Anthonymindel.com. Okay. So we go by Anthony Mindel's Actor Workshop, okay. AMAW. Okay, cool. So we'll have that. So the the three questions cool. I have for you, you kind okay. of answered the first one already, okay. <laughs> uh, which is the word no means what to you? I think the word no just means not right now. Yeah. And, and what right about, <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with it. I, I would agree. Uh, but a minute and, from now, it could be like, dog. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at what you just said about the publishing, you know, not oh right now, God, but now yes. they're, now they're turning around and, and chasing after you. Um, yeah. What about well, any, any yeah. mantra that gets you through things when everything goes sideways? You know, there, well, this too shall pass. That's one of mine. And there is this great Hawaiian meditation called Ho'oponopono. And I learned this years ago. I don't know if you ever heard of it. 
Yeah. And it's basically, they use this mantra that applies in all situations that can be applied. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And thank you. If you think about it, it works across the board. You fight with your wife, you say any of those things, it makes sense. You, I have a disconnect with myself and I'm beating myself up in my own mind. I could apply one of those mantras and it sort of like calms the storms. You know what I mean? Yeah. Really, what good. else is there? I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And thank you. I mean, what else is there? I love that. Yeah. Last one. If you could give your younger self advice, what age would you intervene? And what would the advice be? (laughs) Well, I'm still intervening every day, like every moment. I would have, uh, ah, Matt, that's a good question. I'm trying to think in terms of my book and looking at the photos of me in my book, because we've been redoing some of the artwork in it. But, you know, oh, you know what? Ooh, I don't know. I'm going to start crying again. I don't think I would have intervened because it's all unfolding perfectly as it should. Because had I intervened with what I know now, as Oprah Winfrey says, then I wouldn't be who I am now or know what I know now. Ooh, I wish I had a microphone. Mic drop. I'm so glad you asked me that question. That's so, it's so true. So it, it helps us all remember to really embrace our journeys. It so, really does. Yeah. What's know? funny. What's funny. I'm so glad I didn't say, I was about to say before you started answering, <laughs> I was about to say it's kind of a trick question because so many people have that reaction where they work through it. And it's just so cool to watch everybody work through it. You work through it really looking for that thing you would tell yourself. And then you realize one, that younger self would never listen to you. No, no. And, and two, you, yeah. You, and two, yeah. The whole point of the th- the whole point of the show, the failure right. is opportunity. You wouldn't right. get to where you are. It's like the what's the movie? Sliding doors with Gwyneth Paltrow. Right? You know, it's like movie. it's like you yes. never, you know, you you wouldn't get to where you are if you didn't go through what you went through. And that that's you and I the wouldn't point. be talking right now. You know exactly, what I mean? exactly. Yeah. So, Anthony, oh, Mindo, man, I love man. you, man. Oh, totally this is inspiring. So I feel I, love the, you. I feel the same way. I, I'm I'm so happy that that uh, we this this came up. I got a shout out to my producer Ayla, who who uh, really, I, I believe I don't know Connected if it, maybe box. you guys yeah. reached out. I can't remember, but it, I'm so know. happy that I, this. Yeah, I'm so I happy too, that this yeah. this came to be, and uh, we got to talk. So hopefully, we'll actually get to do it in person at some point. In person with a hug. Yeah, I look forward to that. Yeah. What we do here is go back, 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 back. Okay, as usual, tons of takeaways, but I'm only giving you my top three. Here we go. One, you are the vessel through which everything flows. The canvas is the art, but but who's being placed on the canvas is ourselves. And I, I think we underestimate the power of how interesting we all are. We talked about this for a while, and I think it's really important. When you're playing a role, it's yours your interpretation. And it doesn't just apply to acting, how you do your job, how you parent, how you do anything. What is it that makes you unique? That's the gold. Stop trying to do it like everybody else. Number two, the role that culture has played in making us forget what I just pointed out in number one. Culturally, we are taught you can't be who you are. And that is where the wiring gets so cross. It's like we live, it's a it's a pandemic of not being taught to be our authentic selves. It's learning about hiding who we are because if we really be who we are, you're gonna get punished for it or rejected or abandoned or bullied. This one's important for everyone, but if you're an artist, a lot of actors and filmmakers are listening. If you can't get to the point where you're willing to expose your vulnerability, knowing full well you might be punished for it, you're not going to do this for very long, at least on a level that's going to touch a lot of people, in my opinion. If it doesn't cost you, the audience isn't going to care. Number three, kind of relates to the first one about everything flowing through you. The journey you're on right now is the reward. The fame, the trappings of success, they're not what they're cracked up to be, guys. I hate to burst your bubble, but they're not. 
the real joy is in self-expression. The real joy is in sharing. The real joy is in connection. And it's not about, oh, I have to get that thing and then my life is going to be complete because then you get it and then you're like, okay, on to the next. I hope people really take that in, especially the younger listeners. Like Macklemore says, someday soon your whole life's going to change. You'll miss the magic of those good old days. Now, don't don't hold me to the to the singing. Um, I think that's time for me <laughs> to give myself the hook, but you get the picture. All right. Anthony Mindel, so great to meet you. Can't thank you enough. All of you listening, supporting this show, thank you. Remember, when we ask you to rate, review, and share this podcast, it's because we get so much specific feedback from our tribe about how these conversations are really making a difference in people's lives, and we want to make a difference in more people's lives. So if that means you taking a minute to leave a review or take a screenshot on your phone and post it to your social media, by the way, always tag at 10,000 knows and at Maddie Dell on Instagram if you do that so we can thank you. That post can help someone or maybe it's just texting it to a friend or family member. You can also write into the show, tell us which guests spoke to you the most, what types of guests you'd like to see back on the show, um, where we can improve. You've got an idea for a Monday Morsels solo riff? Throw it down. I mean, I may use it. We are here to entertain, educate, inspire. We don't want you out there alone thinking no one can see you or hear you because we've all been through the ringer and that's why this community exists. So lean on it. All right. Next Friday, we're going to take a ride into the danger zone. That's right. Kenny Loggins. He wrote the music for the soundtracks of some huge films, two of which are some seminal Matty D picks, Caddyshack and Top Gun. The other one being my current co-star, Kevin Bacon's Footloose. Join us for that next Friday. He gets raw and vulnerable. It's pretty awesome. But don't forget to tune in for my brief little Monday morsels to kick off your week. And we'll see you soon. 